0: Would you believe it? Canadians are still locked down, in a manner of speaking. All over the world, freedoms have been basically restored to everyone. In fact, the restrictions on Canadians have for the most part never happened to much of the rest of the world. Canadians who are unvaccinated against the COVID are unable to fly, unable to fly to another country, unable to fly within their country, This is so strange. In fact, Canadians who are unvaccinated against COVID are unable to travel at all because they can't even go to the United States and fly. Because at the border, President Biden has decided unvaccinated Canadians are not welcome. We have with us today a captain from a major Canadian airline who's going to get into this with us to explain what's going on what's the agenda behind this, but also what we can do to help. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. (music) Captain Greg Hill, thank you for being with us.
1: Thanks so much for having me, John Henry. It's an honor to be here.
0: Let's begin, as we always do, at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Captain Hill, so let's, um, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, uh, as you said, I'm a captain with a major Canadian airline. I've been there for 15 years. Prior to that, I was a pilot with the, the military. Flew C-130s uh, with the Royal Canadian Air Force. It's been a dream of mine since I was about uh, 13 years old. I grew up in a military family. My father was an Army officer for uh, 37 years. So these themes and the passion for liberty and freedom are something that I came about honestly from a fairly young age. Uh, that's 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 it in a nutshell. I won't uh, I won't go back to 1960-something when I was born, but uh, that's, that's the basics. <laughs>
0: Beautiful. Now, you're in charge of an organization called Free to Fly. Is that right?
1: Yeah, myself and my good friend, Matt Sattler, uh, direct Free to Fly together. And that was born around about April of 2021, in part because we felt we'd probably be at the pointy end of any vaccination mandate. Uh, We've been journeying, as many of your viewers probably had, with the COVID narrative for the better part of a year already there. It didn't take very long. I just essentially, I remember it like it was yesterday, sat down with a spreadsheet, plugged in some government data, and about a half an hour later just thought something doesn't make sense here. So fast forward to April, it started with a fairly small group of pilots, then grew into uh, all sorts of other aviation professionals, flood attendants, air traffic controllers, what we call under the wing workers, uh, baggage handlers, maintenance, and uh, most importantly, and I want to focus on this as well, We've got about 39,000 passengers who you very eloquently articulated at the outset here are unable to travel within the country or outside the country. Uh, And and we hear heartbreaking stories uh, every day. So, so that's the organization free to fly are we're really dedicated to the, uh, to the freedoms of every Canadian coast to coast, whether they're quote unquote, members or not. Uh, it's obviously the mobility rights that we've lost are near and dear to our heart as aviation professionals. But most importantly, uh, it's, it's every freedom really that we've lost over these past couple of years.
0: Yeah. Now, this is very interesting. Your background is very interesting because as someone in the military, the Canadian military, you vowed also to fight for Canadians for their freedom. And then as a pilot, as a professional pilot, commercial pilot, you are engaged in bringing Canadians not only just to travel, also to get to the, you know, celebrations of their loved ones, either their life or to be there for their funerals, all sorts of absolutely necessary travel. And I'll even ask you, Canada is a country that maybe most people don't know. You can't very easily drive from one side to the other. Um, tell us, if you will, from your experience, some of those uh, aspects about Canada that make it very difficult to travel in. And what are people traveling for?
1: Well, I, I, it's it's literally hundreds, if not thousands of stories. Every day we get scores of emails from people that are asking mainly guidance for for what am I supposed to do? Do you have a way? Can you give us some guidance? And we do. There's You have to be uh, somewhat creative in terms of, let's say, you want to go from Toronto to, to Frankfurt or something. Um, you're probably not going to get there flying out of Toronto on a, on an Air Canada flight, for instance. Uh, so religious exemptions are one way that people are, are, are finding a way around these type of things. But but the stories are are really heartbreaking. And you highlighted it very well i mean these are one of the the, the prime tenets of a, of a democratic civilized society is the ability for instance to honor your dead and we're at a point here where we hear stories of people that, whose parents let's say are dying on the other side of the country or who have passed away and they weren't able I, I got a story last week from a gentleman that drove thousands of miles to be with his father before he died and he got a phone call 40 minutes from destination after traveling thousands of miles. And these are the stories that Canadians need to hear. Those are the most heartbreaking one. We, another story that comes to mind just as we're sitting here, another woman out west whose parents are, are in Quebec. And she would drive, but she, uh, she is unable due to some physical limitations. So she literally cannot drive. And, and the government's answer is basically, well, make the right choice. It's, it's extortion is what it is set aside your 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 humanity set aside your heart and do something that is contrary to your own convictions uh it's in order to be with your loved ones and and sadly some people are doing that and I don't mean that in a condescending way i mean in a in a way that leads to all sorts of existential crisis for them because they think what am i supposed to do i want to honor my father and my mother uh, but but at the same time, I have to break all sorts of other pieces of my conscience. It's uh, those are some of the just some of the stories we're hearing. I and mean, on a personal level, uh, our oldest uh, daughter is getting married next month. And my parents live out in B.C. It's going to be a long drive. I mean, the, the, the upside is they're going to be with us probably for an extended period, because uh, when you drive from B.C. to Ontario, you, you don't just stay for a couple days. Right. Uh, okay. So I'm trying to find a glass half full there.
0: But it literally takes, um, you know, but if you have to stop at some point, which other, well, otherwise it's crazy, it takes you over a week. So, and that's driving so persistently every day for mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours on it. it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: <clears throat> so this has become an impossible situation in Canada. And yet we still fancy ourselves some kind of civilized society. So what does this compare? Like, have you talked to colleagues uh, in other nations who, you know, pilots as well, who are, um, you know, just free of this? Do they ever marvel at what we're going through in Canada?
1: Yeah, well, it's an interesting question, because just over the past few weeks, uh, we brokered a global coalition that uh, brings together other organizations similar to free to fly. There's US Freedom Flyers in the States, the Australian Freedom Flyers uh, groups across Europe, the United Kingdom and otherwise to advocate really the the prime focus that we're we're bringing uh, up right now is the compromise in aviation safety due to vaccine injury amongst uh, our colleagues. But uh, we're we're in a very small not very honorable uh crowd in the sense that even our colleagues in the United States and Europe let's say look at us and think wow that's crazy even even by by the uh, the standard that they've been through over the past year Australia is probably a close uh, close second but they uh, even even amongst our colleagues we have to explain oh this, this is how it works in Canada and they're like wow that's uh that is really uh unique would be a kind word <laughs>
0: So what does it look like on the pilot's end? So in other words, and pilots and other professionals in aviation who are support workers or whatever they are, but in terms of their livelihoods have been stripped from a lot of them, haven't they?
1: Well, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a little <clears throat> bit different depending on, on what company you're working for. Some companies are, uh, not that it's, it's minimal by any stretch, but they're on unpaid leave facing termination. Others, such as WestJet, were outright terminated last fall if they didn't declare their their status uh, at all. Uh, so it's you know, it's it depends on where you're at in life, how how dire that is. But uh, like I know of more than one what I would call aviation family, where both the husband and wife were airline pilots pilots. They both, for reasons of principle, courageously uh, stood their ground and refused to concede. And, and they've, they've erased now both incomes. Uh, and, and I could I could give you all sorts of examples of the different kinds of employment people have been have been brought to but uh, but these to get yourself to a major a major airline you're typically talking and now it's a little bit different over the past few years because the industry is so short of pilots but certainly when I joined you were decades into the career already uh, and, and it had taken you a very long time and a lot of hard work no matter what uh, that includes over the past couple of years and now that's completely erased and you find yourself, essentially most of the time working in entry-level jobs I, I, I'm sitting in a in a storage closet at a manufacturing plant which is where I'm working uh, nowadays I've got friends that are working in, in chicken processing plants uh, others have, have taken up truck driving uh, and others are just burning through their life savings at a completely untenable rate uh, and then and, and I honor every single one of those it's uh, it's hard to wrap your head around but but uh, these are principled people who aren't stubborn. They're typically quiet, careful thinkers uh, that have gotten themselves um, into the state because of, uh, because of what the government's decided to do.
0: Yeah. It's an amazing thing. Normal citizens have become the new fighters for freedom in our society, having to sacrifice themselves very much like your former career in the, in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> what can Canadians do? What can normal Canadians do to fight this, to change this? Because it's got to change. We can't allow Canada, this great nation, to go down the tubes the way it has been. It's becoming a laughingstock of the rest of the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's a very interesting question. And it's, uh, life is interesting in the sense that, I guess, we go through what I would call seasons of, uh, of, of trying to find solutions. And we, we went through... Uh, let's say the the convoy season in Ottawa, and I think that was very telling in the sense that it showed that individual actions can morph into something that actually changes the landscapes of society. And if you look at the lessons of history, it's very much the same. Um, essentially, the, the history of pushing back against tyranny, and I, I often go back to Alexander Solzhenitsyn because I think he's spoken probably more eloquently than than almost anyone, and he wrote a famous piece in 1973, I believe it was called Live Not by Lies, as he watched the Soviet Union descend back into the place that, that had him in the gulag for an extended period of time. And as part of that very famous, sorry, never, never very famous, it's not as famous probably as it should be, but that, that very powerful piece, he spoke uh, along the line saying, if a if thousand of us stood up, if 10,000 of us would stand up, you would not recognize our nation. And I think part of, of what we're struggling with right now, sometimes in our nation, is this idea that that we can outsource a solution to the tyranny that we're up against. That there's gonna be a, a lawyer or two that will ride in on a white horse and and, and save us all. Or perhaps a, a politician will will completely turn this around. But, but the lessons of history tell us that is not true. It's individual action. And the, the problem with individual action is, is it's at times glacial, and painful. It doesn't happen overnight, it's planting seeds and waiting for them to germinate. And I remember when I first heard about what was happening in Ottawa, we were at a, a, a call it a barbecue of, of like-minded friends and, and one of the gentlemen that uh, was, was instrumental in starting the, uh, the convoy came and spoke. And I, I wasn't wowed about it because I'd been in this freedom fighting thing for a while and I kind of seen things come and go and I thought, I, don't, I just don't know if that's going to take off. And I was uh, thrilled to be wrong on a level that I don't think you know, in terms of it was probably the greatest PR platform in almost human history. If you look at the impact it had on the globe, but it started by people like this gentleman driving his trailer to a barn uh, north of Trenton and talking to 30 people at a barbecue. So if you're sitting at home and, and you feel like what you're doing isn't going to make a difference uh, you're wrong. And, and there, there's a famous quote, I'm sure you've heard it by judge learn at hand that says Liberty lies in the hearts of men and women. When it dies there, no constitution, no law, no court can save it. No constitution, no law, no court, no court can even can likely even help it. And I think we've got to remind ourselves of that is we are, I wouldn't say masters of our destiny because from a faith standpoint, I don't believe that, but I do believe that change happens individually. And the last several weeks have actually been fairly encouraging in terms of the pressure that we've seen brought to bear on this government. You've got the Toronto Star and the Global Mail regularly putting columns and news articles out, calling these mandates what they are, unscientific nonsense. And that's happened because courageous Canadians have been relentless in pressuring the government, whether that's in writing, in showing up on the streets uh, of Ottawa on small streets with placards in, in 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 towns across this country it matters so so please do not become disheartened i think people are tired and they're fatigued but you are making a difference by what you're doing
0: all right and i might add they're not only pressuring government they're pressuring every level of leadership in society mm-hmm. so imagine how many letters how many points of pressure the people who run the toronto star globe and mail sun all the TV stations are getting, even though we already know they're paid by elites in this world to take the COVID narrative, to take the lockdown narrative, but they're getting pressure from family members, from their own, all the little people that go to support the network. There's yeah. a lot of pressure going on. So <clears throat> we have to speak yeah. the truth to power, as they say, yeah. and that is being done. Well, then
1: so, I mean, if I can bring up, I think you bring up please. a really great point there, John Henry. Is I, I often say, start local. Don't send a letter to Justin Trudeau if you haven't spoken to your mayor or your MPP. Right? Start start at the lowest level you can, and sometimes that's your your neighbor or a school board member or or whoever else. And you bring up bring up a great point in terms of media. That's a that's a great uh, pressure point. And I would also say leaders in industry. Uh, that then includes obviously when we're talking about these travel mandates the airlines themselves and and I've been very disappointed that our airline uh, executives outside the WestJet CEO have remained silent throughout this and they they would not be in some sort of crazy fringe group to speak out against these mandates they, they would be within the mainstream and their silence is not an act of omission It's a choice, and it's a choice to be complicit in medical apartheid in this country. And I would call on each of them, whether they're the CEOs of an airport or an airline or otherwise, to stand up courageously and call these uh, what they are and ask for them to be reversed because they do have standing with the government and it does make a difference.
0: Hmm. They certainly have the public backing right now. Um, This has been a general recognition of a vast majority of Canadians. In fact, a lot of the world looking in saying, mm-hmm. gosh, you know, feeling really bad for Canadians. Yeah. Whereas Canada used to be regarded as one of the most free, one of the most desirable countries to live in. We have shot that reputation and <clears throat> continue to do so. But let me ask you, Greg, what do you think really is underlying all of this? Because this is an insanity that's infected Canada, actually, most of the, much of the world. But beyond only travel is a major restriction, obviously, but we've had all sorts of things. We've, we've, the whole moniker of my body, my choice, even used by the other side of the life argument, from where mm-hmm. we come from at life site, but even that's been turned on its head to insanity. So where do you think all this is coming from?
1: Well, I don't want to steal a couple hours here to talk about the, the, the globalist agenda, but it really is about... Control ultimately. If I can distill it down to its very basics, I'm sure your your uh, your viewers are are up to speed on the WEF and the WHO and and a lot of these globalist entities that are looking to really transform society into their own socialist dream. It's this it, this this asinine idea that well communism has killed millions of people in the past, but this time somehow we're going to do it differently, right? Uh, and, and arresting control from people. It's if power concedes nothing without a demand, it, it never did and it never will. And so power, the the power and the control of government is going to expand to the furthest extreme that it can unless it's brought into uh, some some constraint by the populace as a whole. kind of going back to uh, to what I said before. So I, I think Mr. Trudeau is is one of the uh, shining stars of their new um, their new elites. I, I, at this point, honestly, I wrestle a little bit to understand his own personal strategy, and and I don't spend a lot of time trying to understand it because I I do think it's warped on a level that is difficult to grasp, even from a political expediency standpoint. His insistence on maintaining these mandates at this stage, while well, his own caucus revolts, is is not wise politically. So it's a level of um perversion to use a fairly strong word but i think it's accurate it's a level of perversion that is difficult for the average um freedom loving kind-hearted person to wrap their head around but I, i i i keep saying if if we think this vaccine mandate COVID narrative is the end of it we're very naive and i think we've got to remind ourselves that we are in uh, a, a marathon. It's not a short race. We're not looking to just reverse these mandates. I, I, I you know, I'm in my 50s, so take this with uh, with that in mind. But I think this battle for freedom is something that I'm going to be fighting probably till the day I die, uh, for the sake of my kids and my grandkids, so that they inherit a inherit, inherit a world that I was able to enjoy. Because right now, the trajectory that we're on is not towards a democratic, free society.
0: Absolutely not. What can people do? Where can people go to reach out to you to support what you're doing?
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, the easiest place to go is uh, free2fly.ca. Those are all words, uh, not numbers. And uh, we've got our content on there, uh, our social media. We're fairly active on social media. Although if I was not running this organization, I would not be on any of them, but, uh, but it's a way to get the, to get the word out. And uh, you, can, you can sign up there to get our, uh, to get our newsletter and uh, to keep up to speed with, uh, with what's going on.
0: That's beautiful, Greg. Thank you. Thank you for fighting for freedom. Thank you for coming on the program.
1: Thanks so much for having me, John Henry.
0: God bless you. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time.